This is a 980 CKNW podcast. You are live with the App Show. Mike Agarbo here with Graham Williams and Christina Stoyanova. We've got a really cool show today. Uh, we're going to talk to some... Uh, App folks, uh, an app developer that has an app that helps you furnish your house uh, or your office uh, using augmented reality. And then uh, if you like it, you can uh, rent or lease that uh, furniture for, uh, you know, 12 months to 42 months. That's pretty cool. It's really cool. We'll also be talking with our uh, resident uh, tech Amazon nerd, John Beeler, about the Amazon uh, Echo devices. I know so many people are concerned about these things always listening. Well, did you know there's a place that you can go on the app to hear all the conversations and everything that it's recorded and even delete that if you want? I've asked my Echo a lot of things at like 2 o'clock in the morning. I'm curious to see what that's going to look like. (laughs) Well, now you can actually go in and erase them all before someone sees or hears the crazy stuff you're asking. Before CSIS comes looking for that data for me. Do you have an Amazon? You have an Amazon Echo. I I do, yes. Do you ever use it? A little bit. Yeah? Yeah. That means no. (laughs) Uh, I I, I use it to... uh, to access Headspace, which is a meditation app, and that's really about it. My my favorite thing is actually asking out what the weather is like. Now, to give you some perspective, I live in a condo that's nothing but windows, and yet <laughs> I still ask Alexa, "What's the weather today?" Well, let's talk about some of the uh, the app news out there. Uh, there's a new uh, app for uh, photo enthusiasts. Uh, if you like uh, Halide. Uh, which is a great photo app. They have a new one uh, called Spectre that's uh, using artificial intelligence to create stunning long exposures. This is really cool stuff. I mean, I know, Christina, uh, you are an avid photographer. I have been in the past as well. And long exposure stuff can be really cool, right? You can do things like light trails at night uh, when you're uh, photographing traffic, or you can get these beautiful soft pictures of waterfalls as uh, water continues to fall. There's some cool things that you can do with long exposures, uh, especially when you're looking at low light situations. Long exposure can be one way to really get detail into pictures. Um, this app is selling for, I think it's like two forty nine Canadian. Um, I love Halide. You've used Halide in the past, right? I have, yes. And it gives you some uh, some raw shooting features. Isn't it amazing we can do these on, on, our, on our phones? Well, it, it's amazing. But I also, I mean, I look at traditional camera manufacturers and I'm like, this is kind of why you guys lost. I mean, the market. Well, what could still, they do? What could they do? They, they, they. So this is the build thing. a phone into their camera. Well, I'm going to look. Well, I mean, some of them did, but yeah. I'm going to look directly at Canon on this one, where they had a number of cameras that had exactly the same internals, but different software, and they sold more features for more money. This is incredibly frustrating for us as end users when it's like I have all the stuff here, and you just you're charging me extra for this. So when we see apps like this come out for two forty nine, we get this amazing functionality, which you would have paid fifty to hundred dollars for. Uh, in addition, with the, with traditional cameras, I mean, you can see why the value is here. Um, my favorite feature on Halide, actually, the ability to access the three D camera on the iPhone ten um, and set a depth of field when the camera won't necessarily always see that. So the oh. the portrait mode cameras, the depth of field cameras, they're looking for faces. So sometimes if you're taking pictures of flowers or pets, it won't always be able to do that. Halide is actually a really great way to be able to say, I want that to be my depth of field focus. Really neat app as well. Uh, also in the news, finally, Apple Music is coming to the Google Home speakers. Uh, this is a big thing for people that subscribe to Apple Music. Now you can access it uh, through Google Home. You've been able to do that with Amazon Alexa for uh, a little bit now, but uh, obviously uh, Google Home is one of the big guys out uh, there in Canada, so I think that's welcome news for a lot of uh, people. One of the things that I'm seeing is a lot of people are looking at the Alexa system as uh, a smart home system, 
And a lot of people are looking at the Google system as a media playing system. So I've noticed this trend in my friends where they'll actually have both. And Alexa is used for information and Google is used for playing music or streaming things to their TV through their Chromecast. It's sort of an interesting dichotomy given that Google has been so deep into search why more people aren't using Google that way. Do you even listen to music on your Echo? Sometimes. Sometimes? Sometimes, yeah. When you're not meditating with it. That's right. Exactly. <laughs> well, uh, let's look at another interesting story. Uh, this is kind of concerning. There's a, uh, a Saudi app that's used to track women, uh, I guess, in Saudi Arabia. And apparently this app uh, that gives men the ability to track their, their wives and sisters uh, is not against the rules, Google rules. So it's still in not only the Google Play Store, but I believe it's in the Apple App Store as well. Yes, I think Tim Cook has commented that they're certainly looking into this and whether uh, they'll continue to have this app, but no movement has been made as of yet to remove it. And it sparks an interesting question about, uh, you know, how do how do these companies operate in other countries with, that have laws and norms that are not necessarily aligned with the company's values? What are they going to do there and how are they going to decide what's appropriate and what isn't for their company? This, this was an interesting one because there was a comment on Reddit that said, and I quote here, men control how women travel in Saudi Arabia. That's, ma- that's mandated by law. Not just they can, but they have to. They can be permissive, but they still have to give permission. This app makes it easier for them to do so. This sounds like an apology to me, like apologizing for this existing. Um, I think, you know, and again, Western culture, Western social mores, um, I just find it incredibly reprehensible that, you know, one group of human beings can control what another group of human beings can do, even if it is by law. And perhaps this is where we can have companies like Google and Facebook and Apple stand up for human rights. Um, this app frustrates me. I know, but do they stand up for human rights? You know, I, I look at China, for example, and, you know, a lot of these big tech companies uh, basically bend over backwards and change, you know, parts of their system or search engines like Bing. I'm, I'm naming you out there uh, so that they can continue to work in those countries. So, sure, they can cut them out, but is that going to improve the conditions there? I don't know. I kind of take a look at it and I think any any amount of pressure that we can apply to make sure that more people are treated equally, we should. And maybe we won't win the battle or win the war, but I think it's uh, it's frustrating. No, I, I think it's try. bad. But uh, the, the app's name is called Absure. Uh, and again, still available in the app stores. Yes. And w- I anticipate that it will continue to be available because I th- I don't think it actually breaks any of um, of their app store rules, but it is more of a question of values, I think, at this point. Let's move on to our next story, which I've been a little reluctant to get to because I know Graham is going to com- go completely off on this. But uh, Netflix and Steven Spielberg are uh, at war. They're battling over uh, uh, Oscar eligibility. Uh, so... Basically, Steven Spielberg is uh, saying that uh, Netflix shows that, uh, or movies, sorry, that go onto um, the Netflix streaming service right away shouldn't be eligible for Oscar consideration. I think that's absolutely ridiculous. I mean, look at it this way. This is this is kind of a combination of old man yells at cloud um, and basically someone gatekeeping what it is that uh, should be eligible for, for these Academy Awards. This is 
art. It is film that is being created. And in a lot of cases, these films actually do get distribution. Roma did play with a limited engagement in theaters. They, they do that and, to, to be eligible for yes, Oscars. That's right. And I think that's his point, is that Netflix can pay to have this limited distribution in theaters just so that they can get a seat at the table, um, which is not necessarily, I guess he's feeling fair to other filmmakers. I'm not saying I agree, but that seems to be the argument. But I think what he's coming from, uh, he's coming from a purist standpoint. Uh, obviously, he's an artist. Um, and he's, I guess, saying that to fully appreciate the art, you need to see it in a, in a cinema. And he's standing up for that. So how big does the cinema need to be, right? I've got, an, I've got a 70-inch screen at home. I've had a 110-inch projector with a 5.1 surround you sound don't system. Quali- you don't qualify. I don't qualify. <laughs> and then this is kind of where I'm asking, Mr. Spielberg, where do you draw the line? What is a theater to you? How about this? How about if somebody has a camera and they have a story and they have actors and they go and produce something that is of a feature length, they're now in the running for an Oscar. How about that? Yeah, and Netflix has made a good point here. Uh, They said, we love cinema. Here are some things that we also love. Access for people who can't always afford or live in towns without theaters. This is a good point. If you live in a town without a theater or you simply just cannot afford to go to the cinema, does that mean that you're consuming art any less when you watch it on the small screen? It's a weak argument. They're they're reaching. Truly. Like, how many towns aren't close to a cinema? Doesn't matter. If that's their strongest argument... You know, their, their strongest argument is, we've made art. And Steven Spielberg, it's not up to you to say that we didn't See, that's, make that's, art. That's a better argument. Yeah. I, would, I would lead with that. Yes. And, and so, Mr. Spielberg, you know what? Come on over to my home theater. I will screen some Netflix for you. I hear Bird Box is pretty okay. Well, I mean, this uh, argument will, I think, go on for uh, a while to come. So uh, I'm interested to see what the Academy does with mm-hmm. it. I think they will still allow Netflix to submit movies and do their limited screenings. They absolutely will. It would look terrible for the Academy to turn to people and say, because these people are doing things differently and with innovation, they can't do it. I mean, we saw in the past when, they, when 3D animation started to become a thing, you know, the question was, well, should it be up for animation awards? Well, they actually created a whole new category, right? Is it really fair to say what is and isn't art anyways? Steven Spielberg absolutely does oh, not have that right. There's some art that shouldn't be art. <laughs> but that's your opinion. And maybe it's oh, mine. Oh, I think if you looked at some of this stuff, you would be having the same opinion. Maybe it's mine too. Maybe I don't appreciate it, but that doesn't mean that I can I say I'm, that it I know. isn't I'm, art. I'm just joking. But... My, my way of quantifying art, if, if somebody looks at it and goes, that's not art, it's probably art. Really? Really. Uh, just quickly here, we got uh, about a minute left before our break. Uh, Disney is opening the vault. Yes. And the vault is where they keep all their movies that they've kept closed, uh, I guess, yes. a lot yes. of these movies. So the idea was that you would, when they would release a new movie on DVD or Blu-ray or VHS, um, they would release it for a limited period of time. You'd have this short period to go and buy it at full price. And then what would they do? Put it in the vault. They would and- take... This is actually interesting because AJ on our team was rushing home a couple weeks ago to watch Aladdin with his three-year-old daughter and uh, had this big plan of popcorn and daddy-daughter night and was foiled because he couldn't get a hold of Aladdin because it's in the vault right now. Really? Really? Yes. Yeah. Okay, so they're opening it, obviously, because they're doing their own streaming service and 
they want to make money with it. That's right. And I, I think this is great for everybody. It gives more consumers more choice, more access. And guess what? They'll probably put things on their streaming service that'll be up for an Oscar. So good for you, Disney. We have a lot more to uh, talk about on today's program. If you have an Amazon Echo speaker, we're going to show you how you can go into the app and actually listen to all the conversations and commands you've ever given your Amazon Echo Alexa device. And we'll teach you how to delete those conversations if you choose to do so. And uh, if you've been dreaming of uh, refurnishing your home or office and would like to use your uh, smartphone to do that? Well, there's an app for that. And we'll uh, talk to a developer here uh, in Canada that's uh, developed something pretty cool. When we come back from the break, a lot more apps to talk about. Stay tuned. You are back with the App Show. Mike Eggerbo here in studio. What if you need a, a room full of furniture? You've got uh, a bedroom, uh, perhaps the living room needs uh, a refresh, or maybe uh, a new office space uh, needs some desk furniture. Well, there's an app for that. Uh, on the line, we've uh, got Samantha Simonton. She is uh, the founder behind Amy Inspired. Thanks for joining us, Samantha. Thanks for having me, Mike. Amy Inspired, tell us uh, what this app is all about and how it can help us furnish our lives. Great. So Amy basically makes it fun, easy, and affordable to have fresh, fashionable furniture in your home now. Uh, we really feel we really fill the gap in between your IKEA stage of furniture and the most ideal stage, and that's about a 10-year gap. And so on the app, we make it fun, fresh, and just a new way to experience furniture. You visualize it in your home first. And then you buy, and you can rent it between 12 and 42 months. So this is about renting or or leasing the furniture, not buying it outright. Yeah. At the end, you can decide if you want to buy or give it back. Uh, We upcycle the furniture as well. We use the donated furniture. Uh, If you do give it back and want to refresh your space, and we donate it to local local marginalized families in the area. So let's uh, walk through the process here. Uh, We download the app uh, onto our phone and available for iPhone, I believe? iPhone right now. Yes. Uh, and so what's the next step after you've downloaded this uh, onto, your, onto your phone? Yeah, so Amy is going to become your guide, and she's going to walk you through the process. And so first she's going to ask you to scan your room, and it's a three-step process. Turn on your light, stand in a corner, scan your room. And we're going to take a static picture of the room so we can help design pieces in that room. And then you're going to answer a personality questionnaire. And basically, instead of looking at all the furniture in the world, we're going to curate the experience where we're going to show you furniture that not only fits your personality, but fits your space as well. And then we're going to give you an anchor piece to decide from. So if you're looking at a living room, we're going to show you probably around six sofas, depending on your style. You're going to choose, let's say, I want to start with the blue sofa, and then all those corresponding pieces that'll make that blue sofa look great as a collection are going to be shown. Then you get to plug and play and mix and match, and then you get to see it in augmented reality on the app. And you can save many different combinations. Right there, you're going to see prices. You're going to see different prices for terms. The more you pick, the more you save. And so you really can do multiple combinations. Both you can see if it's going to be 100 bucks a month for you or 80 or 120, and you can change the term. And then you can send it out to your friends and family on social to see what they have to say as well. I had a look at some of the furniture uh, that uh, was available. It's actually pretty cool looking. Yeah, it's great quality as well. And Lots of different kinds of styles and we'll only add more as we go. And so where, where are you getting this furniture from? Is this uh, from different locations, like different uh, retailers or your own? How does that work? 
they are from high quality, sorry, high quality uh, manufacturers, um, both in the states and Canada. So direct from the manufacturers. So we're passing on the savings to the consumers. And so, how do the how does the payment work? Uh, do I have to go through my bank, or can it all happen through the app? It all happens through the app. We use a consumer financing company that does all of our financing for us. So you're going to have to answer some questions that you will only know. Um, that both protects you and protects us and makes sure that, you know, you have, you know, you're giving your money to the right people. And then you pay monthly. You can choose from your debit card. You can put it on your credit card. And that's through our consumer financing company on the app as well. And so, uh, Samantha, you're the, the woman behind this. What inspired you to create this app? Oh, goodness me. Uh, Being in the furniture industry for over a decade, I really saw that the next generation was owning less. And that furniture, unfortunately, is not an asset. And the next generation that are buying, well, they don't really have a lot of assets. You know, we're not owning condos. We're not owning cars. Some people don't own their phones. And so the furniture industry is still stuck in, in that limbo of wanting to sell at the best price and on sale, and they want to sell people assets. And there was just a really a disconnect. And so I, I really looked at it and says there has to be a new way. We're talking with Samantha Simonton. She is the uh, founder behind Amy Inspired. This is an app you can download right now, uh, available through the App Store for uh, iPhone and iPad uh, users that... Uh, helps you furnish your home or your office using augmented uh, reality. And uh, from that point, you like the furniture, you can lease it uh, from 12 to 42 months at a time. What's the future for this app? Uh, Obviously, you're on iPhone now. I imagine uh, Android's next. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, As technology becomes more readily available, we just make it more faster. It's more fun. Um, It's only the beginning. Thanks for joining us, Samantha. Thank you. When we come back from the break, it's the Hot 5 App Countdown. You're listening to the App Show here on the Chorus Radio Network. Back after this. You are back with the App Show. Mike and Graham here in studio today. We still have lots to talk about on today's program. Before we get to our Hot 5 App Countdown, let's get our Game App of the Week, Graham. So our Game App of the Week, going out there to everyone who's going to be part of a civic election coming up in the next couple of months, is City Builder. Pardon me, it's Pocket City, the City Builder for iOS. And this is a $6.99 app that has no in-app purchases, no I love transactions. That. I Every, love that. Everything's unlocked. I, I just want to pay for the app and not get bugged all the time. So the cool thing about this one, because there's kind of two types of apps, right? There's the app that you can like fire up and play for a couple of minutes while you're waiting in line for groceries. And then there is the app that you can you know sit down on the couch and lose hours and hours of your life to. This is actually one of those apps that can kind of straddle both things. Basically, you can get in, do a couple of things with your city, and your city will kind of continue to march on when you're not playing. But when you get down to it, if you want to actually make policy decisions and start to shape the face of your city, you can actually sit down and do more fun stuff with it. So for 7 bucks, you can build parks, uh, spaces for recreational sports, you can zone for residential, commercial, and industrial, uh, you can respond to crime and disasters, and start talking about foreign owners' taxes. It's absolutely... Well, the last piece is not true. <laughs> So it's like SimCity. It's like SimCity. It's, yeah. it's very much a classic SimCity feel. So yeah. one of the things I just... Is that hard, though, on a, on a small phone? It's not, actually. The touch interface is really, really good for it. Because okay. you've got to remember, originally, the SimCity was very much sort of a, you know, click and and not even a click and drag. It was a click and click process, yes. which is very much that tap and tap process is very similar to that uh, on iOS and Android. That's our game of the week, again, called... Pocket City. Pocket City, available for iOS and Android.
Now let's get to uh, our countdown. The weekly app Hot Five. This week we're talking about the Hot Five calendar apps. I know, not sexy, but uh, they keep us on time and scheduled. Scheduled really is the big thing, which actually brings us to our number five app, which is called Shift.Cal. And so this is a free app for Android. And if you're somebody out there that works shift work, specifically if you work shift work either on your own or if you have a partner or a family member, this can be really, really handy because you can actually put all of your shift patterns in there. Uh, I've got a number of friends who sort of, they work, you know, seven to three one week, they work eight to four the next week, and then they're working like uh, 12 to eight the week following. And so being able to sort of drag and drop these shift patterns in there is very, very handy. And you can also note overtime hours uh, and the state of shifts that you've taken. So basically, if they're uh, a transfer from somebody else, you can set alarms for your schedule shifts, uh, view, view them on your calendar widget in uh, Android, and you can also back up and restore your shift schedules. So if you need to be able to copy them from device to device, that's relatively easy to do. So that's shift.cal. Number four on our Hot 5 app countdown this week, calendar apps. We're talking about Time Tree, available for Android and iOS, and it's a free download. Organizing a family can be a real hassle, and there's always someone that forgets to do something, no matter how many times you tell them. Mmm, teenagers. Help cut down on some of the hassle by using Time Tree to organize your family group. Time Tree lets you put everyone's schedule on the same calendar, allows them to share tasks, and to create handy notes for later, you can even leave comments in the app to discuss upcoming tasks or events, making it super easy to keep everyone up to date. I am so getting this app for my family because it will save my family. It's going to revolutionize your life. It will. Fair. We're talking about the Hot 5 calendar apps this week. Number three, an oldie but goodie. Number three is Outlook for Android and for iOS. And this app has actually come a really really long way. I'm actually very impressed with it. Outlook. It really has come a long way. <laughs> it, honestly, it's great now. So most recently, they've actually added the ability to import your Google Calendar stuff into uh, Outlook in addition to having uh, any IMAP calendars, or if you're on Office 365, it syncs beautifully with that as well. So uh, we use Office 365 for work, and I found that it's, it's quite good. My only complaint with it is that sometimes it won't update your calendar until you open the app. So if you do make a change on the desktop... Oh. Oh, yes. And uh, you've actually got to open the app in order to see that. So sometimes you will get reminders that are actually out of date because you haven't opened the app recently. Solution to that is open the app fairly regularly and talk to the Outlook team and see if we can fix it. But other than that, it's a great little app that synchronizes all sorts of calendars uh, and can give you things like color coding, uh, alerts, travel time, and more. I can't tell you how much I rely on Outlook. I use it for everything. It yeah. just keeps my life running. Honestly, Microsoft has done so much in the last couple of years. I mean, I used to hate uh, Office for Mac. Uh, I was not very impressed with it on iOS, and they have won me over again. So well done, Microsoft. Number two in our Hot 5 calendar app countdown this week, uh, the other big one out there, Google Calendar. Available for Android and iOS, it's free. If Gmail is your primary email service, you'll see certain events like your upcoming flights, booked hotels, and restaurant reservations added to your Google Calendar automatically. It's fantastic for that. It's like super smart. You'll find the usual options like being able to set reminders for upcoming events and check your to-do schedules all for the same day as uh, those events there are different calendar views to show you what's taking place on a certain day or during a specific week. Google, Google Calendar also links seamlessly with other calendars you may use, such as Samsung's S Planner or Apple's iCloud. One of the more special things Google Calendar can do, though, is the option to set personal goals. Want to run three times a week or get in some time to play video games? That's for you, Graham. Mm-hmm. 
the Apple schedule, time for those things automatically. And the number one calendar app this week, Graham? This one is Fantastical 2. Fantastical. And I have not used this. Okay, so this is not a cheap app. It is $14.99 on iOS, and it is $69 on the Mac if you want to use it. So it's available for both platforms, uh, Mac and iOS. But it is absolutely fantastic. That's why they call it Fantastical. They actually let you do things like use real-world language when you're looking to create stuff. So you can say, remind me to, and it will create a reminder. Uh, You can start off with to-do and put your to-do in, and it will put it into a to-do list. Um, You can say, you know, uh, meeting with Mike at three o'clock on Friday and it will actually create a, an, an invite and will ask which Mike I want to invite. So very, very cool stuff. My favorite feature though is their day ticker, which is actually this really unique interface that blends all of this stuff together. So puts your to-dos, your reminders, and your calendar invites all in one view. Absolutely beautifully designed. It's got a lovely uh, taskbar widget for macOS and it's really, really easy to use. So that is our number one calendar app of the week, which is Fantastic Hell 2. Love it. That was your Hot 5 Calendar App Countdown. Seeing the app show here on the Chorus Radio Network. Back after this. You are back with the app show. Mike Agarbo here in studio. I want to talk Amazon Alexa now. These are very popular speakers, uh, the Amazon Echo line. They've got a number of different models, and uh, there's a lot of manufacturers also making uh, their own types of devices that have Amazon Alexa built in. But I know a lot of people are concerned about the overall privacy. These things are listening to us all the time. Well, to uh, help us understand how we might uh, be able to protect our privacy a little more and even hear all the conversations we've had with our Amazon Echo devices, we've got our Amazon Alexa tech nerd, John Beeler. Thanks for coming on the show. No problem. So I found this interesting. Uh, So you say there's a way where you can actually go in and see every time you've spoken to Alexa and listen to the the audio of it. That's right. So if you go into your Alexa app, there's actually under the settings, there's a history. And every time you've interacted with Alexa, what it does is it captures and transcribes that in real time to your app. So you can go in and play it back. You can actually give uh, Amazon feedback that it actually has properly recognized what you've tried to ask it to do, or you can say, no, it didn't. And so that gives it feedback and it learns it better, but you can also play back and delete that message. Fascinating. Uh, I, I imagine that would be a lot of history there for yeah, some people. Yeah, there is a bulk delete as well. Yeah, so. yeah okay. Um, did you know that this existed? Yeah, yeah. It, 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 it's been around. It hasn't been – I mean, it's kind of hard to find because it's kind of buried in the settings of the device. Um, but you can also go into each uh, device that's listed in your Amazon.com or .ca account, and it will show you the device and then all the histories are there online or in the app. So uh, it just takes a little bit of poking around to find this stuff, but it is there and it's been there. Um, the reason they do this is because – when you do use your voice to activate Alexa, it stores a local copy and it tries to recognize your voice print. So, you know, taking into account the variables in your house, you know, how reflective your walls are, all that kind of stuff. So it comes up with a local version of John saying, Alexa, do something for me. And then it stores that and that helps improve its artificial intelligence to better understand me from across the room or if there's lots of background noise, TVs on, that kind of thing. So uh, it is good to let it do that if you're comfortable with that. And if you're, this, if you're concerned about something, you can always just hit the mute button. That's a good point. So uh, this history stored locally, uh, where is it storing it? It's storing it actually on the device. Um, and then 
the, the actual voice data is on the local device, and then it does get eventually sent to um, Amazon servers. The cloud. The cloud, yeah. yes. Um, so when you delete it from the device, does it delete it from the cloud? You're deleting it from everything. Yeah. Wow. So I think this would be valuable because a lot of people are always you know, telling me things, listening all the time and recording my conversations. So you can actually go in and see exactly what it's hurt. That's right. And and keep in mind too. Uh, and again, if you believe Amazon, they say that they only record when you use the wake word. Yes. So you know you can only take them take them for the word, but they're not always recording. Your phone is actually probably more likely to be recording all the time, listening for everything because it doesn't necessarily need a wake word for for everything. So. Yeah. Uh, so is there any advantage to deleting the history? I don't, or disadvantage. Well, Amazon actually warns you that if you do delete it, it will potentially mean it. You might get some some misheard things. Because oh, it's using that as to improve its voice recognition. It, it's it's how it better understands your voice. So um, I leave mine on. Um, if there's a conversation you're you you know you're having a fight with your significant other or something like that, maybe you want to delete it if if the word Alexa comes up because it, it would have captured that. <laughs> um, and there's been some precedents where in in the U.S. there was. A murder investigation, and, and they requested Amazon's transcriptions, you know, for what was what was captured, and, and, and it turns out nothing was. But um, you know, those kinds of things. There's a microphone in the room, so uh, be mindful of that. What are some other things people can do, you know, as far as their privacy uh, with the Amazon Echo? I mean, obviously, one of them there's like a mute button right on the device. There's a mute button right on the device, but as soon as you press that, it actually stops you from being able to give it commands, which renders it useless. It's pretty useless. Yeah. I mean, unless you're using it as like a Bluetooth type speaker, you know, to play music back or something like that. But the thing, the problem I have with the mute button, it works fine, but I forget that I'm muted. And, yes. de- and depending yes. on you know where your device is, you may or may not be able to see the red ring that pops up when you do hit the mute button, which is meant to be the visual cue that you're muted. But if it's behind a toaster or something like that, you might not see it. So there actually is uh, a company that makes something that uh, allows you to basically put it on top of the Alexa. Uh, like a cap? Like they call it earplugs for Alexa. Okay. Basically, and what it is is it's a little device that sits on top of the Alexa, and it basically gives Alexa white noise and, and uses noise canceling technology to basically block out and turn off the listening function. It becomes that listening function, and it allows you to set timers. So, say you're going to have a family meeting and you want to make sure nothing's being recorded or, not, or whatever, uh, you press a button on this device, and then it will turn itself back on and let the a microphone pass through again to Alexa uh, after a specified amount of time from 10 minutes up to an hour. It seems like a little bit of overkill. And, yeah, but, yeah. but, you know, again, I'm thinking people that are probably concerned about this probably aren't going to have these devices in their house in the first place, or they'll just simply use the mute button or even just unplug it. Weird. You know, you'd almost think that they'd build some sort of functionality with the mute button that you could program it as well, kind of like a timer thing, like the white noise. You, you should be able to like double click it for a ten minute yeah. timeout. You know, yeah. that type of thing. Hey, maybe that's a new feature we can we, we can recommend. We should. Uh, so, if you want complete privacy, and why did you buy this thing in the first place? You can basically hold the mute button down and turn off the microphone, or you can get one of these little devices to do the white noise timer. That's right. But. Again, why would you have the Amazon Echo Alexa speaker? Well, in, in these other devices, they cost as much as the Alexa does in the first oh, place. Do they? <laughs> so it just seems kind of silly. 
We're talking with John Beeler, our Amazon uh, tech nerd. Thanks for joining us, John. No problem. When we come back from the break, we have uh, a lot more apps to talk about. You're listening to the App Show here on the Chorus Radio Network. Back after this. You are back with the App Show. Mike Agarbo here with Graham Williams. It's Travel App of the Week. What do we have, Graham? So this week's Travel App of the Week is Travel Guard On Demand for iOS. This is kind of interesting. So this is travel insurance, but uh, it works through hourly coverage. The app actually uses GPS technology to track when users leave and return to their home province. I think this is absolutely brilliant. So essentially in the app, there is a toggle, which you can flip on, and it basically turns on coverage so that when you do leave your province, it activates your insurance for you. Uh, and it takes about 90 seconds to buy. This is this is kind of cool. I mean, I've used uh, travel insurance in the past. Typically, I go onto the BCAA website and I buy uh, either insurance for that trip or, you know, a couple of years ago, I was taking a lot of trips in a year, so I bought for the year. Uh, but that's a, that's a big blanket price as opposed to pricing it out per uh, per trip, uh, which is, you know, timed right to uh, when you leave. I think that's kind of brilliant. So you can actually purchase blocks of time, uh, everything from one day up to 90 days. Uh, and each block of time you purchase is valid for 365 days, but there's no refunds for unused time. So if you're going to buy it, make sure you travel. Uh, so coverage, what do they got here? Emergency medical expenses, $2 million. Emergency dental expenses, only $1,500. Uh, trip delay, 1500 Baggage and personal effects, uh, $1,600. Bucks. So it's interesting. It seems that it's made just for the uh, Apple iPhones, anything uh, iPhone 5 or higher, and... Uh, age 55 or younger. It's available to everyone in Canada, except for people who live in Quebec. It's kind of cool, like you're saying, Graham, because you don't have to notify the insurance company of your travel dates. It just automatically kicks in when it sees through your phone's GPS when you've left your province. Yeah. And I mean, that's just, it's knocking down a barrier, which I think is pretty awesome. I kind of like that. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you, uh, you've got an iPhone 10, right? I do, yes. I do as well. Uh, they just did a, an update uh, to the iOS 11.3, I 11.3, believe. 11.3, yeah. New Animoji characters. There are four new Animoji, which I think are pretty cool. Have you used Animoji that much? Uh, a little bit when it first came out. Uh, well, when I got my iPhone 10, yes. So these are little characters that work with uh, the messaging app, and they recognize your face. So as you're moving your face around or moving the lips or your eyes, it actually mimics that with uh, the different characters. And what new characters do they have? So there is a lion, there is a dragon, there is a skull, and a bear. What's your favorite? Uh, personally, the bear. The be- <laughs> yeah. He's your favorite. Yeah. Out of all of them. Um, Samsung tried to do it uh, as well with their new Samsung Galaxy S9. Have you tried those? You can actually make your own emoji of your face. Yeah, and I've, I've seen a lot of people are, are quite enjoying them. They're, it's not quite the same. It's a, it's a bit of a different approach, but it's kind not of Not as cool. accurate as the iPhone. Yeah, the, the iPhone, I mean, with their facial scanning, it's, people are saying that Apple's about two years ahead of the competition when it comes to facial scanning. So uh, that, uh, that face ID sensor is actually quite advanced, which is why you get that d- level of detail. But uh, the, the stuff on, on the Samsung phones, are, it's actually pretty good. That's all the time we have left for the app show. Don't forget to listen to our sister show every Saturday here on the Chorus Radio Network. Get connected. Your one-hour look of look at the latest in uh, technology and trends. This is Mike Agarbo and Graham Williams signing off for the app show. We'll see you again next time. You've been listening to a 980 CKNW podcast. Listen live at cknw.com, the Radio Player Canada app, Tune in Amazon Alexa HD radio at 101.1 FM HD2 and on the AM dial 980 CKNW.